Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. I want you to get your Bibles and open them up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture real quick out of the book of Ecclesiastes, which is when you don't hear a whole lot, you don't hear a whole lot in, in, uh, in sermon circles. This particular book in Ecclesiastes, um, it says something that's very elementary, but it is very absolute. And I want to preface this with an understanding that we ultimately rely on Christ. Amen? We also understand, though, that relying on Christ is also relying on what Christ has provided to us. Okay? My question is this. How much do we, how much do we rely on each other? Now, I want you to think about that in this, in this, in this context. Because the Bible talks about the church being a body a body that's made up of many different parts. Those many different parts, they are what make up the functioning body in and of itself. What good is any individual's effort or labor if there is no partnership connecting it to other ministries and labors? Because here's what the way the church has universally measured success. We don't measure it based on actual results. It's always, and I caught myself doing this a lot of times. Vacation Bible school, how many times we push for 100 kids? Made it quite a few times. I mean, every time I'd raise it up, if, if, if something hadn't sidetracked us, I kind of wonder if that number would have ever stopped because I always come up with something bigger for, as a challenge. Uh, one year was shaved my head. I still got pictures on Facebook of when I shaved my head. It pops up around that time every year in one of my memories where I, I told him I'd buzz cut my head. I've dyed my hair. The youth leader dyed his hair um, at, at, when we was doing these things before. And we'd be getting huge numbers of people. And then, and then we would go, yeah, we had 100 kids at our vacation Bible school? Woo! What did we just gauge our entire ministry by? Numbers. Not connections. Not actual results. Now, do you expect to gain 100 people if you get 100 families, if you get 100 kids from vacation Bible school? Well, that's unrealistic. A little bit of faith could probably move mountains, but that's pretty unrealistic, right? When it comes right down to it, how important is Rosie to vacation Bible school? How important is vacation Bible school to Rosie? See how they are almost symbiotic in nature? In every relationship, how much is Matt and Caitlin depending on Rosie? They're getting the teenagers that she's teaching. How important is that? How much are you dependent on Rosie? Matters, doesn't it? How much do you depend on nursery? How much do you depend on, how much does that nursery depend on you? You see the symbiotic relationship? 
You know, there are families that even, even if they have little ones, they can go once a month and go over and babysit their kid and other three kids so that they can go three weeks out of the month. They can go three weeks and sit in a church service. So the mom who goes to the nursery that day and watches kids is creating an opportunity that's going to the next week provide her the exact same opportunity to sit in church and hear a sermon. You see how it works? But what happens if we ever get to the point in Christianity where we don't realize exactly how much we rely on each other? If we don't have the ability to make these connections and to see how the choices we make, the things we do, the things we don't do, how those things impact the ministries, not of Highland, the ministries of Jesus, we're important to each other. You remember the first thing that God said to Adam? Or the first thing I should say he said about Adam? You remember what it was? It is not good for man, can you finish it? To be alone. And the very next section of scripture, so he caused him to fall into a deep sleep and he took from him a rib and he fashioned Eve. But what was the first thing he said? Let me ask you something. You ever been through anything or in anything in life that you genuinely felt like you was in alone? They're out there, right? And is there any more isolated feeling than to feel like you're alone in ministry. Because I say in ministry, I'm not talking about vocational ministry. Man, I, honestly, I hope every one of you are ministers, and I hope that you're ministering every day of your life as opportunity presents itself. But us having the ability to understand the concept and the fact that God, in this, in this little rarely heard from book, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Starting with verse 9, he says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, I will lie down together. Or furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But now, but how can one be warm alone? If one can overpower him who is alone, Two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. It's scary to realize or to feel like that you're in something alone. But I think it's even a bit more terrifying when it's completely the people around you are completely oblivious to it. And again, I'm not blaming anybody for being oblivious. We're busy. We've got lives. We've got families to take care of. We've got jobs to do. We've got houses to clean. We've got, we have stuff to do. We're busy. And nobody's faulting anybody for being busy. I know. I can stand up here and tell you. There's not enough hours in a day. We're busy. Amen? But if we're too busy to stop and pay attention, we're just too busy. 
I get the ability to see it because it happens so much. And I could sit down and write a book just over the last three years of the difficulties that people got into, the difficulties that they faced. And there was somebody else that came along. In some cases, these were individuals who everybody had given up on. And you hear things like, it's never going to happen. They're never going to stop. It's never going to turn around. And I've heard that a dozen times in the last four years. So let's quit trying. Is that the solution? Because you want to know who's really in it alone? The ones who are suffering, who have no idea how they're going to get out of it. And unless somebody recognizes it and is willing to say, I'm going to invest. I know I might get hurt. I know this could be costly. But according to Ecclesiastes, what's the chances for that one person if they're alone? You ask my wife. Something ever happens with my wife, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll freeze to death. To me, that hit home. It was like, yeah. I know because I froze to death the last four months, sleeping during the day. <laughs> it, common sense says that two are better than one. But weird. Why did he say in 12... A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Is this too much of a good thing? If two of us had the ability to be strong, what can three of us do? Or 30? And it's really a matter of us realizing that all of this stuff that I've preached about for the last 25 years of my life, that all of this stuff, it does lead to an end that all of us have read the book to. We know ultimately what's coming. And we shouldn't be people who are quickly shaken from our composure because of this, because we know who God is. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be hard times that come along. But if one person can't handle it and two people can, what can three do? Now, here's the part in this that it doesn't say in that verse. Who's the third? This is why it can't be broken. Because when God's brought into a relationship that individuals understand as a symbiotic relationship, then we understand that God has no different expectations for me than he does any other person on the planet. They may specifically be different, but my relationship with God's no different than yours. You still pray, pray to him. You still see him move in your life. You still listen to the things that he says and see him move when you, when you apply them. These are things that all of us universally have in our lives. It's the realization that when two individuals bring God into the picture and those two individuals agree on who God is, now what kind of a strand do you have? Because we've got the perfect go-between. 
We've got the perfect one to provide us the fundamental foundation and the direction for the things that we will live through throughout our entire lifetime. Whether the world goes to hell in a handbasket today or it goes to hell in a handbasket 100 years from now. Does it really take tribulation for anybody to, to have a hard time at this point? I'm not even sure we'll know when tribulation starts. It may have started. I don't know. I don't know. And if that surprises you, please don't let it surprise you. I'm not a prophet. And not that I was, if I was a prophet that I, would, that I would rank either, because what did Jesus say? The Son don't even know the day or the hour. The Father alone knows the day or the hour. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know you got bills to pay tomorrow, and I know you drive fallen world vehicles, and I know you live in a fallen world house, and your air conditioner will go out at any moment. You can blow a tire, cost you $1,000 before you even get out of Walmart. And it can all happen like that. Do we need electronic currency for tribulation to come into the world? It's here. Flip over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. I've preached on this, on this passage of scripture before. It's a motto that I have accepted for Highland and something that I've always wanted to encourage ind individuals with. And, and the reason being, it gives us the exact purpose behind the expectation. Starting with verse 23, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now, I know by his next statement, we'll get to it here in a second, I know by his next statement exactly what he meant in this one. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. All of us have points and times in our life where we need somebody to be sane. You hear me? And honestly, most people as believers in Jesus Christ, most of us should be sane most of the time, right? The ones who are really, really struggling, they're smaller in number, right? What happens if we all just, all of our cheese slides off its cracker? How do you recover from that? You don't. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. In other words, if you're here today and you have been discouraged in any way, and my responsibility as a brother or sister in Christ is to encourage you, which we'll see in a little bit, is exactly what my responsibility is, but I have allowed myself to be wavered off of the hope of the promise that was made to me. Now I'm not only not a benefit but I am directly a consequence to somebody else because my hope and assurance, my faith was rattled. Now, that doesn't mean that tomorrow I may be the one whose face rattled. And God forgive if there is not somebody around who's willing to grab me by my ears and bring me back to earth. You hear what I'm saying? In other words, this relationship we build with one another is a relationship where we get to encourage one another, to hold one another accountable, to help one another, to partner with each other. And this only happens by us as individuals understanding how important the connections are between every person in the church, every ministry in the church. 
How much does your belly rely on your legs and your hands? I know I've said that a lot, but I think it's a great point. How much does your belly rely on your legs and your hands in order for it to be satisfied? You can look at any concept at, at all. This is the concept that it's making. We are many members, many parts that make up one body. That one body is supposed to have one purpose, one function, one hope, one God. And what's the devil's game? Let's turn the heat up on people so high. And man, what a bonus if the church is asleep, right? What a bonus if the church isn't paying attention to the individuals who are going through the exceptionally difficult times. Because this is what the world's going to try to take from us. It's going to try to take our relationships. That's really what the effort's been about our entire lives, if you think about it. Relationships come under attack. Relationships those are the root of the relation of, of Christianity. That's the root of Christianity. The definition of the family. The one who promises faithful. That means on the days that you are having good days, the days that the Holy Spirit's whispering in your ear and you're swinging through hell in a rotten rope, spitting in the face of the devil, you know what I'm talking about, those days where you stand up and remember how big God is and who it is that's on your team, and you walk through life not caring. I don't care. Take me out, Satan. Make me hurt. You don't want to say those things because he's going to do it anyway. He's going to want to do it. But you know what I mean? When you wake up those days where your, your faith is grounded, it's solid, it's in that place where that relationship is active. And that same relationship we share with each other. And when that relationship is active, it creates energy. When that relationship's not active, it creates exactly the opposite, complacency. And we look around at the world around us and everything's falling apart and we wonder why. There's no fault in this. It's not about beating people down because, because we allow ourselves to be distracted. It's about us constantly being individuals who are course-corrected by God so that his church hurts less. So that his church accomplishes more when it comes to his purpose and his plan. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How do you stimulate someone to love? It's actually pretty simple. Love them first. That's the answer. We stimulate people to love one another by loving people. What about good deeds? both of these are just providing opportunity those who were able to yesterday went to camp yesterday did they do a good thing Jesus is going to use it could be a completely different set of people that will come down the next two weekends they could completely do a completely different number of jobs Jesus is going to use it 
know people feel guilty sometimes. A preacher stands up and says, hey, I need some help down at Bates Creek. I know people have plans. I don't expect people to drop their plans or completely change their schedules because we have stuff going on at Bates Creek. We understand the value of the effort put into it. It's no different than Team Kid. We understand the value, you put the effort into it. We're in it together. And if I'm ever getting to the point that I'm doing things just for the sake of doing them, it's like this morning. I'm running around the church like crazy, and I was way past Angela and Alyssa before I realized that I was working right around them and never stopped and said they were there or hugged them or... And it's easy to do. Did you know that you can be in church and still leave church outside of God's will? Because it's almost like we have this feeling that we come to church and we get this little bit of a break for a little bit. But God's will is something that's intended to be lived in. A prayer life is not something that's supposed to be morning, evening, and meals without ceasing. That's what it's supposed to be. Did you notice how it says, and let us consider how to? What does that actually mean? I mean, just the act of that. Let us consider how to. What's he actually asking you to do? Create things to get people together. Opportunities. Consider how. Figure out ways to encourage each other to involve themselves in good deeds. because he realizes that the two being better than one how many times does he mention it in scripture like iron sharpens iron one man's countenance sharpens another alone is not a concept in the scripture for anybody who desires to be a child of God if people say I'll just stay home I don't have to go to church to be a Christian what's the next verse say Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What day? What day is he talking about? It says you see the day drawing near. What day? The return of Christ. But that's extremely encouraging. So why do we need to encourage each other, especially as we see the day drawing near? because it's going to get worse. For all those of us who trust him, it's going to get worse. We don't know what worse looks like. It may not get any worse than it is. Who knows? Bad enough? could get much worse than it is. We don't know. But I know this. As soon as the world goes to hell in a handbasket, I have a group of family members that I think if it comes to that, we can survive. Figure out what it means from that point forward. Could you imagine being alone? So my deal is this. If tribulation is in the world now, and I'm not saying the tribulation has started. I'm talking about if your life is trying now, you may or may not know the value of the relationships of those people around you who hug you. 
love on you, tell you it's going to be okay, pray for you, pray with you. And when you're in on something and you feel like you got people in it with you, you feel like there's more chance of a success. I know a lot. Just ask me, I'll tell you. I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't know at all. And every time that I have a problem, it takes somebody under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to come to me and show me what I wasn't seeing. I need that as much as anybody. And you need it too. And that means if you're passionate about something, and I see that passion, I'll find a way to jump on board, contribute whatever way that I can. And that's what the church should be doing too. Because I see the world losing focus on what's really important. I mentioned, I think, Sunday night. The number of people in churches, the pastors that I've talked to, who everything inside the church has become about nitpicky things. Everything's nitpicky. We have the ability to complicate things, and that's what robs us of time. If we just did what Jesus asked us to, I think we'd be shocked at just how much time it would take to do it. Proclaiming the gospel. Does he expect me to take a two-hour block out of my day somewhere and go sit somewhere and wait for people to share the gospel with? No. Go on about your day. Just be mindful of the fact that you may be presented an opportunity that might take five or ten minutes from your day. Because this is who we are. Because when you have no hope, I'll remind you of the hope that there is. And when I have no hope, I need you to remind me of the hope that there is. You see the difference? A reciprocated symbiotic relationship with Jesus Christ in the center and the mix of it, who is the one who maintains the reactions of these relationships. When I'm dealing with the individuals I partner with, Jesus is the one who tells me to be careful how I say it. He's the one who tells me to be careful what I say. He's the one who says, look at every angle of this so that there are no surprises in the potential expectations or results of what it is that you're about to do. Because the things that we do that hurt people are not good things. And the, people that, the, the things that we do that can help people that we do not do, that's bad too. I mean, if you walked, if you honestly were walking across the street with a full glass of water, a full bottle, sealed bottle of water, and some dude laying on the side of the road, literally dehydrating to death, could you walk by him? Of course not. There's one person in this church who would walk right by them without providing to them what it was that they needed to give them a better chance of success in life. The only difference is we're driven and motivated by Christ in this. We know that he's not just driving people to be successful. He's not driving people to just not be alcoholics. Every alcoholic that I have ever known who was a Christian, drug addicts are the same way. Every one of them that I've ever known who have recovered, understanding, I understand their rule, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. But once they've recovered, they aren't people who just run around and say, Jesus, help me stop drinking. 
They lock onto people. There's a, there's a woman, I will not steal her glory, and I will not, but I'll tell you right now, there's a woman that is working in a ministry right now, and, and, and this woman, I spent a lot of time praying for her. Why? Because I see the passion. And I know what she does is going to get her in trouble. Not with the law. But you don't see people who run around with those types of passions that don't have a target on their back. Because if you have women that are out there helping women, that throws a monkey wrench in Satan's plans. And he's just not going to let that go. And I believe that the people, including this woman, go through the entire process and will have no idea how huge of an impact. And I can seriously see God do a half dozen different things through this. So you're out of hope? I get to see things like that. I'll remind you of the one that we can hope in. Because I see it. I see him work in people's lives. I see the relationships that are formed and the strengths that come out of those. I see what God does through individuals who truly work through unity. And a unity not just because we are all on the same page with what we want to do, but a unity because I care how this is going to impact you. And you care how that is going to impact me. And we continue to go through life encouraging and lifting each other up, even though the world around us is falling apart and literally going to hell in a handbasket, there is some sense of solidity. And where is it? Exactly where God said it would always be. In his church. The bride. Those who have teamed together because of the promises that was made by the creator of the universe who have given up their own will and still struggle to do so every day of their life to give free will to God in operating through every individual without limit do you operate your life based on no limits because when we lose focus of who God is we begin to put limits on him you ever said that somebody was a lost cause? They used to say it about me. They used to say it about me. Maybe that's why I'm so hard-headed. When people say they're a lost cause, I kind of see God looking at me and winking. Because there's really no such thing. when we figure out that it is not stealing anything from Jesus for us to have a relationship with each other that includes him that's exactly the model he created this church to operate under his church to operate under everyone outside of this is by relationships Jesus died for you, why? think of a better way to start a relationship give your life for somebody And ever since then, it's what it's all about. Because two are better than one. And three are better than two. So the encouragement today, as I sum this up, is to just realize 
that there are within every individual specific struggles and within that struggle also a very specific God and the level of encouragement that individuals receive the level of involvement in good deeds those individuals only receive those opportunities if we and by we I mean all of us at some time or another because all of us will never be that person I should say all of us will never be that person all the time because again we're going to be the ones who encourage and we're also going to be the ones that need encouraging it's just the way that this teeter-totter swings in the world we live in but the only way that this happens folks and, and I'm convinced it's the key it's the key to every ministry it's simple it's about building relationships provoking one another we haven't gone out to eat in a while men haven't if I want to provoke something that's going to be good for our relationship guess what I'll do once again here for too long I'll schedule a meal we'll take advantage of opportunities to serve together and as we serve together we become aware of the things that are around us that need attention when they need attention we give them attention not our attention but God's attention when God's attention is given to them then those individuals are encouraged to the point that they're doing the same thing you may find yourself right now in a situation where you're like you know what I've been I've been feeling awful hopeless lately do you know what feeling hopeless and then God proving you wrong does it is a lot harder for you to feel hopeless the next time Life's built of opportunities. Opportunities to get involved, opportunities to stay uninvolved, opportunities to encourage, opportunities to tear down, opportunities to build up, opportunities to destroy. And every choice that we make, it's an opportunity. And either we will make the, the, the choice by, by the seat of our britches and just say, let's see what the fallout is, or we become individuals who are mindful of the fact that Jesus Christ has us here for a reason. We matter to each other. When you're not at church, valid or invalid reasons. Because the result's the same. Please hear me when I say that. You're going to go on vacation? Go on vacation. You should be able to go on vacation. But don't think that I'm not going to miss you just because you're going on vacation right you may be sick have the best reason in the world for staying home I'm still going to miss you so how does that hurt very specific ways with, air, with every person because it's not only about what I should have said or what I did say that I shouldn't have said it's even more so what I didn't say. You see, walking by circumstances when people are hurting, how's that any different than me hurting them myself? If the individual that's laying on the sidewalk, dehydrated, dying, if I hand them that water, did I just change the course of their life? And we're not the people who walk by and see the person and go, I'm keeping my water. That's not who we are. We're the people who walk by and never see the person laying on the sidewalk. 
because we're too much of a hurry to get to the next thing. The church, Jesus' church, the big C church, it'll grow. You don't have to have the lights, the lasers, the smoke makers, the, the flame blowing off the stage, the loud music. You don't have to have all that stuff. You just need one thing. Relationship. That's it. Your relationship with Jesus, your relationship to other people, the world out there comes to find that you genuinely care about them and you're willing to stop at any point in your life to say, I know you're going through something and I just want to encourage you. Do you think that there's anybody out there that don't want to hear that? And you become a church that is a church that's linked together and partnered in taking care of people and loving people and not just being about the task, but loving in a biblical way the people of the community that God set us in. This church will grow. I don't care how good or lousy your ministry programs are. Because what are people aching for right now? Connection, relationship. They're aching for this connection. Your encouragement is hopefully coming. If you're here today, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, never followed through in believer's baptism, there's anything that I can help you be obedient to the Lord in. Please don't stay in your pew. Come up here and tell me. Whatever it is that, that you feel, you've not been baptized, you want to trust in Jesus, just tell me what it is. I can't save you, but I'll take the time uh, to tell you about the one who can. But believer, this passage of Scripture spoke to me a long time ago. Because I decided a long time ago that this was a message that needed to be heard inside the church no matter how long a pastor may be at a church. Because once in a while, those difficulties, those things that cause you to stray, those things that cause your mind to wander off, those things that... I want to be that person to prevent that from happening. And I try to pay attention. I try to be prayerful about when to involve myself. I always have concerns. I have concerns about people all the time. I see things that worry me. You don't always get God's permission to just jump in with both feet and try to fix it because sometimes he's, he's working through people with things. He doesn't want me involved with it. If he wants me involved with it, it becomes very obvious. But know that we serve a God of mercy. And whatever mistakes we made yesterday and whatever we allow life to get to up to the point that every time we remember... And it puts us right back where we're supposed to be in our faith. It puts us right back in the place that we're supposed to be in our relationship with Jesus. Every time we hear those things, they help center us. And for someone who has a relationship with Christ, you can't ask for any more than that. Just walk away from the building today reminded, on top of anything the Lord may want you to get out of it. Just walk out of this building today reminded that caring for people is where it's at. Loving them in Jesus is where it's at. And it doesn't matter whether it's successful, unsuccessful. It doesn't matter how it turns out. Why? I'm not responsible for somebody else's actions. The only thing I'm responsible for are the actions that Jesus expects of me. Bates Creek. I'm like, Lord, if all this stuff's going on, the dollar's going away, and why do you have me putting all this energy and time and effort into Bates Creek? Didn't take very long for him to go. Do I have to tell you that? 
because he made the point and he knew that I would get it. It's not about when he comes back. It's not about the difficulties we'll go through as we get there. I mean, Jesus very clearly looks at every one of us and says, this is what you're supposed to do. Don't worry about the timelines. Don't worry about the signs. Don't worry about the worries. Just do what I asked you to do. And don't worry about anything else. If we can get there, or I should say when we get there, times in life that we'll ever experience. Hopelessness melts away when you meet the God of glory. Amen. Thank you, Brother Keith. And for those listening on the podcast, I want to offer that same opportunity to you to come to the Lord. If you've never placed your trust in Jesus, now is the time to do so. By default, we are all sinners separated from God, and there is nothing we can do on our own to fix that. That's why God sends His only Son, Jesus, to come live a life without sin. He was put to death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice for that sin. And to seal the deal, He came back from the dead three days later. If you truly believe that and ask Him into your heart, you will be saved. If you're already a believer, this is a great opportunity to recenter your life in Christ. Take these next few minutes in prayer, and I'll be praying for you as well.
Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, you can visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.